0: hello doug
1: happy mid-november karen shut up okay this this podcast is all on you now
0: dude they have got in my neighborhood like they've got like people are putting christmas shit up and i'm like oh my god stop
1: yeah well of course because because usually they do that like november 1st
0: oh my god
1: the halloween candy is still in the bag and they do it
0: I know it's ridiculous, but anyway, um, here we are in November, month 8,972 of the pandemic. Yep, and you're rounding down. And I'm rounding down. Oh, my God. um, Yeah, how you doing? All in all, I think pretty okay. Good.
1: I don't want to gloat. Don't want to make <laughs> anyone feel bad, but I'm doing pretty <laughs> damn mediocre. Um. Yeah, no, things are things are uh, all right.
0: Okay, good. How how's that? how are your numbers? You know what?
1: Um, I haven't heard anything today. So.
0: Yeah, so. me neither. Except that our numbers were ridiculous over the weekend, and also yeah, every like every
1: day up until now was like a new horrible record for. The yeah,
0: last yeah, and so our governor has like canceled tomorrow's press conference and pushed it to Thursday and i said to anthony i'm like you know she's about to shut everything down and he's like that's you know, what we're waiting. waiting for i'm like oh so they, yeah I'm like yeah she she pushed Cuomo, her, pre- her press com- conference for a day she's getting ducks in a row and yeah, she's they're getting, ready, they're ready for a statement yeah cuz last week when she did a press conference i watched it and i was like ooh she mad gina's mad
1: yeah they Cuomo said that all restaurants bars and gyms needed to close by 10 p.m. now And that was a few days ago, and we're just waiting for them to say that all restaurants, bars, and gyms have to close. Yeah. My my fiancé has this theory that they're not going to bother doing anything between Thanksgiving and Christmas and the New Year. And then right after January, she expects another lockdown. Because as everyone keeps being complacent and disobeying and numbers spike, like, don't even – it's like almost don't even bother enforcing new rules that you – can't enforce, because everyone's just going to be like, I want to see my family for the holidays. I want to travel for the holidays. So she thinks that come, like, January 1st, that's when we'll do something.
0: Interesting, because I have... I'm feeling, like, the total opposite. Like, I have a feeling by this weekend, so many governors are going to come out and be like, lock everything down. We're done. And then... And that way, it'll just kind of fuck everyone's holiday. You know what I mean? Like, they'll try... Because they can't stop people from, like, doing shit in their own homes. Like, you just can't do that. But you know they can they can't but if you stay, stay confined to your house because that's all that's open and you can't go out then you can't go out to the gym let's say for example mm-hmm. after yeah. you've sort of been at the family gathering of 80 people you can't go to the gym then and po- potentially infect somebody because the gym is closed down do you know what right. I mean? Right it's
1: just shitty that that's what they have to do because people just can't exercise enough restraint or adapt like I'm not saying yeah. that it's I'm not yeah. saying that it's the best thing, that, for, that it's the easiest thing, or that it's preferable. Just just saying, like, sometimes bad things happen, and you have to adapt.
0: That's exactly it. I think the people that are like, I'm not wearing a mask, it's like, oh my god, you're such a snowflake. Yeah.
1: Like, but is it, I mean, is it really just the snowflakes?
0: Well, I'm saying if, you, if you're, like, complaining about wearing a mask, you're a snowflake, no matter yeah. what. Oh, uh, Okay. Like yeah. I'm not saying, yeah. Like no, I'm saying if you're, I'm, I'm sorry. You're probably big, burly Trump man, and you think you're a tough guy. But really, if you're complaining about wearing a mask, you're a pussy. Yeah,
1: that's what we're really saying.
0: That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. Um, yeah. So it's just, um, it's just ridiculous. And and yeah, nobody's listening. I, um, no, you know, no, I think the podcast. <laughs> what. Nobody's listening to this podcast. Listening. I thought you mentioned so this podcast. <laughs> <coming>. <laughs> ah, fuck it. Nobody's listening. Fuck it.
1: This is the best source of political commentary there is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we're talking about Melrose Place. goddammit.
1: No, it's all—it's all a big smokescreen.
0: It's all a big smokescreen <laughs> smoke for our liberal ways, our commie ways. All right, guys. We'll shut up. We're going to talk about right. season five, episode seventeen, better homes and condos. And can you boy, believe did it? You episode seventeen—yeah, episode
1: seventeen—no, Cra- but can you believe this episode? We're already seven. This season, seventeen episodes in. This
0: is kind of flying, considering yeah, the last season. Was, like, Where the we pandemic. are we right now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's
1: like the last, last past, like the halfwayness of it.
0: Um. So I I wasn't. I, I wasn't too mad at this episode. I didn't think it was terrible.
1: Oh, oh, I'm glad. And that's more than I expected.
0: Oh, okay. Did you think it was terrible?
1: No, I didn't think it was terrible. But I'm in like a sort of happy medium with this season. Gotcha. gotcha. And it's also, as we're probably about to dive into, it's, it's like so easy to pinpoint what it's just not doing. But it's also fairly easy to say like, but I like this. And I like yep. this. And this is good. Something, you know, so, so there's still that.
0: It could be we'll better. Get
1: to, I'll have, I have, like, one nagging complaint. But otherwise, you know.
0: It could be better. Sure. Um, but it's not last season. Right. You know what I mean? So, okay, where do we start?
1: Well, should we just, like, pick off the really teeny tiny subplots?
0: Yeah, let's have, like dump half them. the who cast is in
1: like one to two scenes each, so we might as well just get those out of the way, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So who have we got? Who do, who we do? Who do we want to start with? Jake and Allison?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's definitely I, one.
0: Let's break them up.
1: Is that what you actually want? Yeah. Is that what you want? Because do you think it would give them better story, or just because you're are you tired I, that's of that's like the, the how little they're giving us?
0: I think it, I think it's I think it's probably like mix it all up like a fruit salad and that's where we are right like because they're not giving them a decent storyline because so they're kind of forcing these characters into a storyline that also doesn't make sense and then they're forcing Allison to be a way that you know to to behave in a way that I think is completely kind of out of character for her and that you know and, and it just feels and at this point I'm just like just break up and I don't like them together anymore
1: Oh, that's too bad.
0: Yeah, I really don't. I don't like them together anymore, especially because Allison is so like, like she so clearly doesn't want to have this baby and she so clearly doesn't want to marry Jake. And it's sort of like, you know, if you're in, but this is again, like a complete turnaround from where she was when she moved out of Melrose Place and into her own apartment so that she and Jake could be together away from Crazy Jane. Right. Right. And it seemed like at that moment, like if Jake had said, let's get married, she'd have said, oh, hell yeah. You know, and now that she's in a position where, you know, she's carrying his child and like maybe they should make it a little bit more official. She's hedging. And I don't know that she would do that.
1: Um, I don't know. I could, I could see parts of her not being into this and keeping it to herself and being kind of Melancholic about the whole thing. I think we have seen instances of that sprinkled throughout, like the discovery of the abuse storyline and the alcoholism storyline. Um, it's not a complete reinvention, but they have really swung her like completely against the wall with what they're doing right now.
0: I and just it's, think it's overwhelming
1: yeah. and it's also not entertaining.
0: And I just think that, you know. Given everything that she's been through, between the abuse storyline and the Billy storyline and the Haley storyline and all of that shit, when it comes down to it, what the fuck is wrong with Jake? And why wouldn't you want to marry him?
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. what I, mean? I mean, you want to step aside. There's a line that will form.
0: Yeah. I like after everything that she's been through, and Jake has proven himself time and time again to be the real hero of this episode. He is the real he- hero, alpha alpha male hero alpha hero capital a capital h and you know why like this this should be the couple that we're shipping and she should be thrilled
1: yeah you know? Mean, and if, very if, 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 very quickly let's just sum it up he does a nonchalant proposal <laughs> he gives her a diamond ring <laughs> and then oh, he finds I'm
0: sorry the episode yeah yeah Then he finds
1: dragon. a house out in like somewhere in like suburban LA that he wants to buy so they can move into his whole thing is he screwed up the first time around when he unknowingly fathered that kid and he wants to do right by their unborn child to be um like the only thing he's done even remotely wrong at all is be like very exuberant about the whole thing
0: yes yes and telling billy
1: Right, right after they said, let's not tell anyone. Yeah, Which, again, exactly. didn't really amount to anything.
0: Right, and that has not come back to bite them in the ass at exactly. all. So, yeah, I mean, that's sort of their storyline in a nutshell. And it's really annoying me because it's like, you know, she should just be over. And this is the thing like, that we should give them their happily ever after or their happily ever for now. Because now we can send somebody in there to throw a wrench in things. Yes. You know, yes. kind kind of like, um, like they do on the daytime soaps with, like, Luke and Laura or um uh the ones that I'm going to forget that was on days Bo of our hope. lives bow Bo and hope, hope. yeah bow and hope like you sort of you knew that these people were these this these two people were fated to be together and then you would just throw wrenches at them but then they would always come out the other side still together and i feel like maybe that's what's lacking in Mel- at melrose place right now
1: you mean all together
0: yeah like there isn't that that, that can oh, still survive I see. Yeah. Do you see, you know, can they can survive all the bullshit thrown at them? And I think that, you know, as as like fun and funny as all the breakups can be and, you know, and can't be and all of that. I do think that there needs to be an anchor couple at this point And we don't have. Yeah. that. Yeah.
1: And that's kind of what I've been getting at, which is, you know, I bemoan the fact that we no longer have these stories that keep intersecting with each other, that everyone is an island. But the thing is, there is no center. Right. There is no central couple. There is no hero. There is no heroine. Right. It keeps. There are people that we like, and then those loyalties shift. Like, maybe we like Peter for a while, and then we dislike him, and then we like him again. But we're not actively, constantly rooting for him to be together with anyone and succeed. We're not feeling that way about Jake. We're not feeling that way about Michael. We're not feeling that way about Allison. We're not even feeling that way about Amanda. I mean, hell, if Sam could just, like, step up and be awesome at this point, I'd take it. I'd be <laughs> like, okay, fine you're a new heroine spoiler we'd alert that's never, gonna that's never gonna happen it's never gonna happen
0: we'd settle for sam um,
1: um but that's basically it for jake and allison right like and they're yeah. so i mean they think they had two scenes in four segments. they yeah. like they're so shunted aside just because i know a bit more about the back half of the season what happens i'm not i'm gonna reserve like my big take on it until we get to the very end of season five. But I am agreeing with everything you've said.
0: Okay, good. Well, let's move on. Are we going to Kyle and um, and Taylor? And Taylor, yeah. Because they're the other ones that had two scenes together. Like, two scenes. Yeah, seasons. and, like,
1: again, like, I know a bit more about what the context is ultimately going to be, but you don't get much of it with this episode. And all of the momentum they've had with Taylor and Kyle involved with Amanda and Peter has been gone now for weeks.
0: Yes, we don't have that anymore. and So, and it's, I mean, that's a
1: major blunder in terms of yeah. just the structure of the season.
0: Because we had this big story between, you know, Taylor and Peter and then Amanda and Kyle and their jealousy. And, you know, we had all of that brewing. And then, and then it just, poof. Nothing. Right.
1: Right. Nothing. So the, the, the pre-Christmas episode, Amanda kicked Peter out. And Taylor is the architect of that. And for the last few weeks, Amanda and Peter have just been dancing around their next steps, either alone or with each other. And Taylor has not been a factor in it, no matter what.
0: Not even a little bit. Like, and, just it hasn't even been in the same, in yeah. the vicinity of that, you know. And, and so that is, like, again, another 180 from what the storyline was just a couple of weeks ago.
1: Right. The, and, well, that was pretty clearly the Amanda-Peter rupture was our big story for the first half of the season. And now we've had nothing of it, which has led the Michael, Megan, Kimberly stuff to become our big central story right now. So we'll get to that, cause that's kind of how we begin and end the episode. But let's right. just, to, just to, with Kyle and Taylor. So Kyle has a friend named Nick from the military who surprises him by coming to town and invites himself to stay with Kyle and Taylor. And Taylor hates him. And he seems to be onto Taylor's nonsense. <laughs>
0: And this is the thing, right? We have absolutely, here comes this dude. We don't know who he is. And then like there's very little backstory. There's just enough for us to like sort of get what you're saying. You know what I mean? But, but all of a sudden we're, we're getting thrown this new storyline when we haven't resolved the ones that exist exactly before.
1: Right. That's exactly right. We're still mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, but what about X and Y and Z? And they're like, well, here's Nick.
0: Yeah, and what does Nick have to do with anything? And that, right. so I was, I was actually actively annoyed by the storyline.
1: Yeah, it would have been more annoying had they even had more screen time, but they had such little screen time, which is, you know, problem unto itself. Right. But yeah, there's, you know, there's two scenes, and the first scene is when Nick kind of comes and surprises Kyle, and for a second we don't know what's going on and who this guy is, and then we find out, oh, he's Kyle's friend. Apparently, one of his best friends, so he's okay. And then there's a scene of the two of them, basically both letting their like inner Stanley Kowalskis out, you know, drinking and arm wrestling around the table in the apartment, you know, which I guess makes Taylor Blanche Dubois. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Um, I don't know. But made Taylor has not ever happy.
1: Compared <laughs> to to a, a Tennessee Williams character, but there you are. Yeah,
0: and I mean, I guess. I guess we should say they were buds in the military. And so there was like, you know, there's a whole, I guess Kyle was in Desert Storm, which I thought was kind of interesting,
1: you know. Um, Which at uh, that point would have been like six, seven years prior.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and which would have made sense. Like, yeah, he would have been, he would have been there. So it's
1: something I don't remember that we knew much about anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, And then at the very end of that sort of the second scene, the only, you know, of scene two of two, um, there, there's a moment between, uh, Taylor and this new guy, Nick, where she's holding a broken bottle and he like takes a step to her and she like sort of s- kind of uh, almost slashes at him with the bottle and it's like very menacing. And you wonder yeah, what but this is in, about.
1: But until we know the background of why she might feel so affronted,
0: yeah, it's
1: just weird. It yeah. just feels random. Yeah. The whole thing was really strange. Yeah.
0: All right, so we have another strange storyline going on.
1: Yeah, and so guess what? what? Max in here and doesn't have any storyline at all.
0: No, but he's we like get a full-fledged doctor. He's like a full-fledged doctor yeah, now, though. How yeah. did that happen?
1: <laughs> uh, he's on the best accelerated program, especially for someone who had to take time off for addiction. It's amazing. Um,
0: oh, yeah, and so I,
1: we'll, I, get, we'll get to just,
0: I just did want to say, and I meant to say it um, when you brought up uh, the Jake story you know jake and allison storyline and jake talking about how he blew it with his first kid mm-hmm. i was like kind of like way to go melrose place writers you pulled out the bible you remember, remember jake's already dad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i just want to point that out that they actually it's did not the tiniest victories, yes.
1: yeah
0: yeah small victory small small victory um but yeah so matt is like a full-fledged doctor at this point So, where are we going now?
1: We've got three stories left. Do we want to do? Should we do the big one, which is the the Michael Kimberly stuff?
0: Um.
1: Do I save that? Because we can do Sid.
0: Oh, let's do Sid. I'm always.
1: Let's happy. do Sid, and it touches obviously on Sam and Billy. Yeah. Um, Okay, so here's the thing. I am not a lawyer. I'm not in real estate. I don't know everything about landlord-tenant law, but I know there's some fuzzy, head-scratching stuff going on in this episode involving leases.
0: Once again, we're putting a call out for the lawyers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we heard from anyone last week.
0: No, we didn't. So clearly... If you're an attorney, you have better things to do than listen to do with the Melrose Place podcast. <laughs> so, um, Sid kind of barges into what was formerly Jane's, yet is now Sam's apartment, and basically says, "I'm moving in, and you have—I'm giving you a week to get out."
1: Yeah, already started boxing up her own stuff. She's just gonna come in and take over Jane's apartment and make it her own on her own.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, why? That was that was sort of my immediate... Like, she has her own place. She has her own apartment. Why does she need to move into Jane's apartment? Uh,
1: I mean, she says one thing eventually about yeah. how it's just so much nicer, <laughs> Jane's was, than her old one. And it's like, well, I mean, why? Because Jane had some tchotchkes there. We still haven't figured out if it's a one-bed or a two-bedroom, right?
0: No, we still don't know. We still have no idea. We still
1: don't know if Sam sleeps in a drawer or on the floor. Right, which, that I, I was, mean,
0: or, yeah... The cupboard but, under the stairs.
1: Yeah, there was kind we, of Dr. Susie for a minute.
0: <laughs> we have absolutely no idea. Um, and you know, and and also something that Sid brought up um, that I thought was kind of interesting to have her moving into Jane's apartment. I don't know if they did it on purpose. Probably not. When she was with um, Chad Low, oh, I can't even remember his name now. Carter. Carter. When she was with Carter, and she said something like, you know, she was the younger sister following Jane around, picking up Jane's scraps. Yeah. And I was kind of wondering if Jane's apartment is Jane's scraps.
1: Oh, yeah, that might be a reach.
0: Might be a reach. I mean,
1: you might just be giving more credit than is due.
0: Okay. All right. It's
1: good on you. Maybe too good for them.
0: Okay. I don't Uh, mean to
1: talk about the writers like they're the enemy. They're not. Clearly. We're slaves to them. I'm just saying. (laughs)
0: I just kind of feel like this, I feel like, I feel like this show does not have a showrunner. And I don't know if showrunners were a thing back then, so maybe it doesn't. There seems to be nobody there pulling everything all together and making it go
1: I don't think there's one overarching vision.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: I think they just know when they have to bring people on or escort people off the storyline canvas forever.
0: Yeah. And it seems like the writers change, like, week to week. Um, y- yeah, but I mean, I think some of the,
1: the stable of writers stays the same It's just, we, we see some of the same names repeating uh, Even across seasons from ep- one episode to another But I don't think any of them are, like, head down Like, trying to map it all out
0: Because I think my understanding of daytime television And I could have this wrong But my understanding with daytime television Is that uh, uh, the writers get assigned storylines so, like, you... Like, one according to character. Yes. Yeah, so one particular writer will be writing this particular storyline over the course of several episodes. They don't just get one episode where they write everybody's storyline and it's a free-for-all. So that gives it, I think, a consistency, and it gives the consistency and a cohesiveness that just doesn't seem to be even remotely around Melrose Place.
1: Yeah. I think it's broken down a little differently in primetime. Where it's, I think, I, well, uh, let's say Darren Starr is still involved and he's a showrunner. Hypothetically, he has a vision for the entire season where you have to get from point A to point B. Like, you have to get from last season, say, a point where Peter comes back from infamy to eventually woo Amanda. Or let's even say to be married to Amanda.
0: Right.
1: And, and then you say, at some point in the season, he is going to end up in big trouble and Kimberly's going to do something bad to him. I think multiple writers whose names will appear in various episodes are, will take over individual parts of that thread. Okay. And say, And say, like, all right, in this episode... Kimberly is going to actually going to do something crazy to Peter in an asylum, and they are the one who specifically has the idea about the lobotomy. But that didn't come from above, <laughs> and it didn't necessarily have like a great <laughs> trust getting
0: together. I'm sorry, I just can't even believe that we're t- we're just like who's coming up with the lobotomy?
1: <laughs> I should write a book. <laughs>
0: I was just gonna do it, lobotomies all around,
1: you know, they could.
0: <laughs> oh my god, okay, let's keep going.
1: Um, where were we? We were like, so, Oh, so oh,
0: Sam and so Sid. It turned, so, Sid
1: has apparently off screen already had this conversation with Amanda, who was like, Yes, yeah, Sid, you can move right in, you can pay. And Jane left, and Sam's name is not on the lease, so fine. And then we actually see them. Together, Sid and Sam confront Amanda in person on her way to D and D. Um was it on the way to the funeral?
0: Yes. Maybe? It was yes. on the way to the funeral, yes. That's
1: what I thought. Um and and she, and Amanda's like, I don't care, work it all out, but her name isn't on the lease. Like she washes her hands of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um and so not only that, but sid also says that she wants to cut down on sam's hours and sam's like well then i really don't have any money to pay any rent and it's like okay well then go home like yeah
0: (laughs) i loved how she admitted it she was like well i just don't have any money to pay any rent and amanda was like well nice knowing you (laughs) yeah
1: and the fight kind of continues at the now sydney's boutique um and she, Sid is just like taunting her. She's like, you know, Jane couldn't pay any of these bills, so maybe I need to reduce my staff anyway. You're lucky you even have a job. And luckily for Sam, Carter comes in um and says that he wants to take Sid out to lunch. Um, which is sweet. He's made so much time for her. He has actually gone and chartered a double decker bus. And yeah. He says they're a go sandwich. To- yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And
1: and they don't really like I mean, they bring it back, but I don't really understand, like, his specific Marilyn Monroe obsession. But he says, again, that, like, like the, the painting was a Marilyn Monroe lawn painting or whatever. Right. Um, so he says, like, and now we'll go see where Marilyn lived, right? Doesn't he say that?
0: Yeah, I think he, they were going to go see where she, or, some, or yeah, it was some, but it has something to do with Marilyn Monroe.
1: Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, he also has another proposition, which is that he wants her to come to San Francisco with him. Right, uh, And the next thing we see is they taken a helicopter and landed at, like, some meager-looking farm all the way outside of San Francisco,
0: Yeah, that was weird.
1: <laughs> but it turns out that's where he had grown up. And it's not where his family still lives, but they still go to the farm and, like, end up in the barn.
0: And, uh, um, and the barn is exactly the same as he left it when he was yeah. tinkering with his Atari. I <laughs> mean...
1: Yeah, I mean, they've made made him a real man-child who, like, never had an adolescence. He, like, went from 8 to 28 is kind of the way it sounds. Yeah, Like, the genius just sort of took over, but the rest of him never really matured. Um, And so they finally, like, at least go in for a kiss, and that's when the guy who now owns the farm, I assume, breaks in. He's like, get out of my barn. Take your helicopter, too. yeah. Um, um and then they go for like it's, it's got a very pretty woman effect he then takes her on a big shopping spree and they come back to this very fancy hotel suite um and he talks a bit about um how he like broke down closed off shut down i should say when his last serious girlfriend broke up with him um and laura layton does a really good job of being very like sweet and like listening to him and i for what it's worth, Chad Lowe is very good in this scene, too. Yes. Um, and and they finally get intimate. And so then the next morning, we see her come out of the bedroom in her robe at 6 a.m. And, like, she has now somehow unblocked whatever creativity had been blocked for him to update, work on the next game that he's trying to do. So he's, like, completely laser-focused and obsessed on finishing this game. He can barely even hear her. And he's like, we have to get back to LA right now because um, I can keep working. And so that basically cuts their their trip short. She says something like, okay, if I call now, we can change our reservation and get the first plane out. He barely even acknowledges her. Yeah. And it's yeah. really, it's a shame.
0: Yeah, it kind of made me sad. Like, Like, it was going so well. For Sid and shit never goes well for Sid you know and and so I was kind of like oh this is really great and then it was that sort of disappointment and I actually liked it like I liked I liked how I liked this moment because I think that it rang true to me it rang way more true than Walter or whatever his name is like button in which we'll see happens Mm -hmm. you know again at the end of this episode um, and the storyline. But this was something where I could believe it. Like, he's a workaholic. He was sort of a boy genius. He became, you know, head of this multi billion dollar company almost by accident. You know, and I'm trying to remember back then, 97, 98. I mean, that was kind of happening. You know, a lot yeah. of these yeah. young yeah. people dropped out of college and started like forming these tech companies that ended up taking off. Um, you know, because this was yeah, during that's the very tech real. Room. This was during the tech boom. I don't think the bust had happened quite yet,
1: right? No, we're still a few years out from that it's still on the rise
0: yeah yeah so so and then to sort of have this great day with him and then suddenly like her attentiveness uh to him and their relationship is the thing that unblocks him and he's you know he's able to you know figure out what he needs to do with the game and then that turns him back to that workaholic and that sort of disappointment i actually really liked it and like you said i think that both actors did a really great job playing it
1: and it definitely ties into what we were saying about Sid's evolution. For again, she's mature. She genuinely likes this guy. It's not about the money. She's not trying to use him in any way. Um, it's just there's a nice, sweet connection.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and the connection now already seems to be, you know, like, fraying. Yeah. Um, so while this is happening... Sam is actually trying to to solve her housing situation problem. She's, you know, complained to Billy, and he's like, well...
0: Squatter's rights. Squatter's rights, and Amanda
1: (laughs) was aware that you were living in there, whether your name was on the lease or not. And then Sam has this big light bulb go up overhead. She's like, oh, and I know a really good lawyer. Again, this happened once with Allison, too, where all of a sudden they, like, randomly know all these great lawyers. I'm like, you know how many jams they could have bailed you out of over the last <laughs> however many years and you just didn't know so um so sam arranges a dinner for her and billy with this lawyer friend and he of course, um uh, kenny is his name and he used to be a big like a big deal lawyer at a big deal corporate firm and i guess he hated the the soul sellingness Of it, And now he works for a legal aid clinic or legal clinic of some kind. Um, And he's like, yeah, I'm really just trying to give back and be helpful. Um, And before he really starts to look into the landlord tenant dispute that Sam might have that will give her a leg to stand on, he says, and he says it in a way that is not like, oh, you must do this sort of thing. He's like, I don't see why you and Billy don't just move in together already. Because in Melrose time it's been like two months and in real time it's been like one month but but apparently it, he's talking about how he and Sam were also roommates at one point, right?
0: Right. That they, and, and that they, they moved in together, together after like
1: three weeks, Yeah, only maybe a month. Um, so even though this guy Kenny is really only like being a good guy, he of course gets under Billy's skin. Which works for me. It
0: does work and, for
1: me. I mean... The idea that something bothers Billy works for me. The fact that Andrew Shu is not sure what he's playing works.
0: <laughs> you are absolutely. He just spent that whole scene in the restaurant looking confused.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah. like, are you pissed? Are you angry? Is this guy benign or is he a threat? All I'm getting is that Billy really has hungry. no I'm idea. He
0: is just confused. Yeah. Yeah. He has um, no
1: and so, the, so then the, the next morning, Sam is on her way. I don't know if she's on her way out or if she's on her way to meet Kenny, who just showed up at Melrose with some information. But right before that, Billy comes out of his apartment. And it looks like he's about to say, yeah, I think Kenny was right. You and I should move in together. But before he could do that, Kenny shows up and, and he's like, yeah, we have this precedent to this law on our side, blah, blah, blah. And right then, Amanda comes I'm out.
0: Told Amanda comes out.
1: Yeah, and and they like threaten her, and she's like, "All right, fine, sign it and stay." You and Sid are going to be roommates now. Um, meanwhile, Billy has sort of gone off, dejected, even though he hadn't gotten to the point of asking. Um, and that is when Sid comes back from the early return flight from San Fran and finds out that, on, in addition to what looks like, is her heartbreak. Now she and Sam are going to have to be roommates. And she just right. kind of sulks in a very, very like, even though it's, she's not necessarily dressed like, a very like Audrey Hepburn in a nice yes. sort of way.
0: It was. Like there's something the very precious at yeah.
1: Tiffany's about yeah. what she's doing.
0: Yeah, I loved it. Um, I actually did love that moment.
1: So, so, so poor Sid and and then really poor Sid because then she comes to the house later to talk to Carter and Walter confronts her and says, you served your purpose. You did everything we need um, because Carter has had this breakthrough. Right. Um, She's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, no, I really love him. And I don't need to share with you anything that we've done, you know, in our personal life. Um, And he actually has security pull her out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They throw her
1: out before Carter, sees her and so Walter says Walter tells Carter then that Sid showed up um and lies that he was paying her off and right. that he has these I guess they're not fake I guess it's a real ledger book of real checks he's been writing she's just not been deposit or taking them or depositing them
0: I know so Carter never checks to see if they've been cashed now Carter doesn't,
1: doesn't he? know he but Walter has I guess made enough of a case for Carter to doubt and believe that um, that Sid was actually being paid to use him all along. And Walter's like, just go focus back on your computer games. Which sucks.
0: Yeah, it really did. So so Sid, it looks like, and Carter might be kaput. But I don't think that they are.
1: Yeah, I know we haven't seen the last of Chad, though. And probably not the last of Walter. But but Sid has found herself in another pickle. And like a double pickle right now. Right. Her love life and her housing life are both kind of effed right now.
0: Right. And although she could always move back into her old apartment, Amanda did say that she could do that.
1: She did say she could. Right. And I think that's when Sid is like, but Jane's is so much nicer.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But she could have her own place that might not be as nice or she can live with Sam. Come on, Sid. Make the rational choice.
1: Yeah, or or finally answer whether it's a one or two bedroom. Yes, exactly. I'm really gonna have to keep my eyes peeled the next time they show that apartment to see if there's any hint. I hit. think
0: it's a one bedroom. It's always been. It a would one make happens.
1: sense. It would make sense that it's a one bedroom.
0: But apparently, I don't know. It maybe it's like Hermione's bag. Yeah, it yeah. yeah. just yeah. extends. <laughs> Could be. All right, where are we going now? Um... Oh, we gotta finish Amanda. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say let's. I think yeah. we can do some Amanda stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, um,
1: yeah. So Amanda, after that first scene where she basically tells Sid and Sam to f off, um, and this is the only time we see Craig, she and Craig return to D and D after Arthur's funeral. Remember, he had the heart attack yes. at the end of last week. Right. That that fuels nothing else in this episode. Nothing else at D and D or between Amanda and Craig really happens except for one conversation where craig is like i don't see how you can always be all business amanda but i also don't see why craig was planning to go back to D D himself after the funeral anyway um after he says it to amanda he's basically like i can't deal with work i have to go so it's like okay hi craig bye craig and that's all we see of him in the episode and then amanda goes back to her fishbowl office to find Peter is in there and basically making himself at home. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's, like, going through all the stuff in the office while he waits for her. Yeah, I know. He's just, like,
0: going through her desk. Yeah. Yeah. But he comes by because he's got a new condo on the marina. And he wants to give her the address and phone number. Right. And this is just kind of weird. This The interaction between these two, I felt, was strange.
1: It is strange because at this point in the storyline, we need to know where things are going, and they're not indicating anything to us.
0: It's like... Like, it, it
1: looks like it, it, the way they're playing it is sort of like, Taylor has done all the damage she can do, and she has left the show, and now it's for them to pick up the pieces and, and get back together. That's kind of what yeah. they're making it sound like. And then things continue to feel tentative. Also, we know Taylor is still on the show, and the damage is probably not all done. Um, but but yeah, there is also a moment where um, where um, Peter tells Amanda about the stuff that has happened with Michael, um, which we'll get to next. Right. Um, and and I think that's it. Right until the next scene
0: when he yeah, calls th- Peter. Yeah, and they suggest having um
1: Well, he suggests dinner. dinner.
0: Yeah, and she says, no, I'll have, how about breakfast tomorrow? Yeah.
1: And she calls Peter under the guise of asking about Michael. But it's right. really to try and see what's going on between them. Right. Um And so, yeah, I have to say, so I was watching this, I was still in high school. She comes to Peter, she, like, brings bagels at 9 a.m. to Peter's apartment. And for me, I'm like, you mean you, because I was, like, leaving my house by 7 a.m. every day to get to school. And I was like, you mean you could still be at your house and not even have to be at work at 9 a.m.? Oh my God, adulthood really is amazing.
0: Oh, my God. It's so funny that you mentioned that, because actually, when I found out, like, I thought it was Saturday. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, I was like, oh, it must be Saturday. Come by for breakfast at 9 a.m. Because when when she comes in in her business suit, and she's like, oh, I got to get to the office. I can't stay long. I'm like, it's nine o'clock in the morning. What the hell are you doing? Get to work.
1: Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you're pulling Allison Parker hours now.
0: Right, so, exactly. I'm like, you're totally pull- pulling an Allison. You need to get back to work. And then, and then she does. She just kind of, like, leaves Peter there with the bagels.
1: Yeah, we don't see the meat. No, we don't, just, don't even open we it. we see the apartment, which is, like, I think very nice. And Peter's like, I hate it. The furniture's rented. It's yeah. so personal. And I'm like, well, I'll move in.
0: I know. I was like, I see nothing wrong with this apartment. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, that's basically game.
1: it. They talk for like twelve seconds, and and even though no one says anything wrong, Amanda just shuts down. She's like, "Well, I have to go to work now, so bye."
0: Yeah, that I, it was just weird because there was no reason for her to have that reaction. But whatever. Yeah. What?
1: yeah. Whatever. And that's it for the Amanda Peter stuff.
0: Yeah, because like, we have a lot of Michael Kimberly. Yeah, know.
1: this is the third episode we've had since she kicked him out and changed the locks at he kissed Taylor. So we haven't picked up on any of that. The only the only change that's happened is he's got his mojo back and he's in all sorts of surgeries, including one with one of our other main players. My so
0: ball.
1: so we left off last week where Michael and Megan were driving in the rain to stop Kimberly from driving off the road. And of course the car has crashed, so we pick up there. Michael's car is the one that does a few somersaults in the air and then lands upside down.
0: Uh yeah, I believe so, yeah.
1: And of course Kimberly is unscathed. So Yes. Yeah.
0: And so is Megan. Well she's got a cut on her head.
1: She's got a brute yeah. Um both both of the women are fine, but Michael is seriously hurt and Kimberly rescues him. She pulls him out, gives him CPR until the ambulance can come. Um and then we see them in the hospital. Uh, Peter is is already, like, walking <laughs> Matt and Michael in on the gurney. And that's when Matt's like, oh, my God, Michael, yeah. It's something like he got the call that Michael yeah. was there. And the two of them end up in the OR with Michael, right? Yeah, Like, Matt's bloody, been a doctor for 50 years.
0: <laughs> and, but you know what I loved about this sort of moment with, like, Peter being the attending physician and I guess Matt being, like, second in command? I have no idea. Is that Peter was sort of like... Okay, he's supposed to, like, Michael, we're supposed to believe that, like, Kimberly had to give him CPR because he wasn't breathing at the accident scene. Like, he, he didn't have a heartbeat or he, he didn't have breathe or something like that because she's panicking. Don't die on me, Michael. And they're, like, dragging him in. It's a big emergency and lots of people around him. And Peter is just like, eh, there's nothing wrong with him. He'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know... Um, Megan and Kimberly are sort of standing outside the OR, like biting their nails, like he's not going to make it, is he? And Peter's like, ugh, nothing wrong with him. He'll be up yeah. in a few days. Like he's just so nonchalant about it. <laughs> Even when they go into the, it, back into the emergency room because he like flatlines, he's yeah, he like, flatlines. nah, he'll be fine. He'll be back to work next week. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Peter the whole time is is very nonchalant about it. Oh, I lied, because Kimberly does have a broken arm. It's not that she's unscathed. It's just not that there was anything life-threatening.
0: Oh, I didn't realize her arm was broken. through this it's ha- in, Or
1: it's in a sling, right?
0: Through this whole episode, I don't even recall her arm <laughs> being in a sling or anything. But okay, I'll, I'll believe you. I believe you.
1: Um, but yeah, so, so Megan apologizes to Kimberly for finally telling Michael the truth and Kimberly is just kind of annoying about the whole thing. Yeah. This is this is exactly Kimberly as I don't like her. Either either be the good doctor who is fighting against the injustices or be psychotic, but don't be the other woman. Don't don't be yeah, don't scheme like that. That's not a good look on you. Others may be but not you. But yes, yeah, so Michael during surgery has internal bleeding and does appear to flatline and then he has a vision or a Of seeing the light in the tunnel. Um, And this might be the nadir of this whole storyline. I'm not sure. But essentially, in the dream, Michael is caught between heaven and hell. So he is walking into Melrose, and it's like a very, it's really like, uh, you won't remember this, but if anyone listening has ever watched the sequel to Poltergeist, Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, at the end, they're basically in this odd limbo, and it's shot very weird with odd noises. And, and and so, like, we've got, like, this, like, patchy lighting work going on, and Kimberly is coming up from the pool, and it's all red lighting. And then Megan comes behind Michael, like an angel. So it's essentially, is Kimberly going to pull Michael down to uh, to hell, or is Megan going to pull Michael up? Not really to heaven, but just to stay in the land of the living? Right. And it's like, you know, Kimberly is like, it's red and gauzy. Um, and so Michael picks Kimberly, excuse me, Michael picks Megan and Megan pulls him away and and Michael ends up being fine. He survives. And that's right. that's when, but then, you know, Michael, excuse me, Megan and Kimberly are having this odd conversation while the surgery is happening. And after we've just seen this scene with Michael where they're basically also being like, Well, it's out of our hands now. We're just going to have to see. And that's when Peter comes out and says, he'll be fine, and walks away. (laughs) And it's like, wait, did any of you care? I can't even... It doesn't even sound like any of you give a shit.
0: Yeah, no one cares. (laughs)
1: Uh, But, okay, so I... There was something about that moment that bothered me. And I think it's the patriarchal nature of this storyline which is all about making sure that Michael gets what he needs and gets whatever the right woman is to validate him and that Kimberly is the one who brings Michael down when I think four years of Melrose have taught us that Michael is the one who has brought Kimberly down yes like this should not be about Michael surviving and thriving and you know being validated it should... I mean, Kimberly is really the one... She's not caught in the middle of a triangle between the two of them, but historically on this show, and as I think even Kimberly said the week before, like, like she was the one the bad things happened to. She was virtuous until Michael made her his, you know, concubine, Otherwise, right. like Right, right. M- she was alive until Michael fake-killed her in that car accident and right. drove her crazy... Like, like Michael is the problem. Michael is the baggage, and this is like, yeah, Michael is the one you want to root for. I think that's, I think, what annoys me. Other than like the general melodramatic quality of this whole drawn out dumbass storyline.
0: Yeah, I think, I think for me, what's really sort of making me crazy is this this love triangle that they've built. um, it's it's really very strange, and you know, and it's and and for me it's just not working because on the one hand it's sort of like Kimberly said let's just have an open relationship, and yet she's doesn't want to have the open relationship and Megan who was a prostitute and was hired by Kimberly to, you know, just keep Michael satisfied has been sort of forced into marriage and falling in love with him, um, even. I don't know, the whole thing just is sort of ick.
1: It is gross, and it is false. I mean, quite frankly, I don't even know if Megan likes Michael, let alone right. loves him.
0: Right, Like why, you know, particularly since she actually seems to like Kimberly more.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: You know, I mean, she's more concerned about Kimberly she's and, her, and more, that friendship, yeah, yeah. than um, then she is necessarily about Michael. And that, I think, is super interesting right? Um, like, I think that the two of them together, if they keep that part of the relationship going, would be really interesting to have to sort of, you know, be treacherous towards Michael, the two of them together. Um, but I don't think that they're going that way. I think that they're setting no, it up so that Megan and Kimberly later, are going to be jealous of
1: Yeah, much more interesting there.
0: Yeah, and I because I kind of like the idea of Megan and Kimberly teaming up to sort of, like, dra- you know, drag Michael. And, I, and that's not happening.
1: No. And that, I mean, that would be such a long time in coming anyway. But, but no, I don't think that's where they're going at all. Um, and it's not really interesting the rest of the episode. So Michael wakes up and, and Megan apologizes to him for having lied about everything, including how he knows her. And he doesn't really seem <laughs> very affected by the truth being out. It's not like he's like, well, now I can't be married to you. Um, And then Peter comes in, examines Michael. He's like, "Uh, I want you seeing our patients next Monday. And he's like, next Monday? And he's like, yeah, you're fine. Um, There's a nice moment, though, as Peter leaves, where Michael goes, Peter, thank you. And Peter's like, it was nothing. And it's actually a very sweet friend moment. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: And then Kimberly comes in and ruins it. Um, (laughs) and then Kimberly and Michael even have like a nice calm moment. They have like a nice conversation, but it's just so then Kimberly can hug Michael in the hospital bed and Megan can come in with flowers and see them embrace and kind of be a little bit like what's going on. Right. And so then I think there's just that last scene in the episode of the beach house where they both come by. Um, and Kimberly asks Megan if she wouldn't mind if she lets Michael stay the night. And I'm like, no, he's my husband now, and you're fine. Like, no, but, but Megan doesn't say that. Um, Michael stays, and then Kimberly asks him if he can, like, come into the bed with her. So he, she asks him to hold her, and right as the episode fades to black, she looks, like, right at the camera. So... Kimberly is scheming. She has yeah. bought something, and yeah. and who cares? It's boring.
0: Yeah, we got that Kimberly scheming face, and yeah, and really, who cares? And poor Megan is just standing outside in the cold. Yeah, well, eventually, I was
1: like, is she going to stand out there all night? But eventually, yeah. she like, walks away.
0: <laughs> I know. Uh, I, was I guess she drives anything. home. <laughs>
1: um, but I like this is not how I want my Kimberly and Michael. No. You know, you know how I want my Kimberly and Michael storylines. I want it when they have that really amped up guitar music going because they're always, like, hyper-passionate about something, whether they're having sex or yelling or trying to kill each other. I right. don't want those, like, sad, sappy strings or piano going on in the background. That's not the music I want for my Michael and Kimberly.
0: I agree. I don't want that either.
1: And so that was the episode. Again, not not a total failure. J- at, at times, sort of weird, and at times, just okay. Right. Right. um we've had worse uh, <laughs> two things before i forget as as i am wont to do next week's episode is a two part it's a double episode so we'll watch them probably together and have a du- an extra long podcast to sum the whole thing up i believe it was for the ep- for the series tw- 200th episode oh they- okay um and i believe that it was called great sex expectations
0: it it was
1: and also in our watching of more holiday movies, we have seen a Hallmark movie that Daphne Zuniga was in from a couple years ago. And a Hallmark movie that Patrick Muldoon showed up in from like seven or eight years ago.
0: Um, nice to see that they were working as of a few years ago.
1: Yep. Daphne Zuniga's skin holds up remarkably well. We were happy to see. Good for her. Still, still some of the smoothest skin. And Patrick Muldoon looked like a bigger pinhead than ever. So, you know, sometimes the world just tells the right story.
0: <laughs> How is your Hallmark uh, movie watching going?
1: Oh my God, Karen! I think we've seen forty movies by now.
0: Jesus!
1: Our DVR is always at at the risk of implosion Of imploding. Amazing. Um, but it is the salve I think we needed for the whole year really yeah it is. I, they are so inoffensive and enjoyable like the formula is too like you're too aware of it to be anything to be angry at it
0: I wish you know? I wish I had I wish, there, I wish I could get Hallmark to just see this I, do you know do they have an app I think they do I don't know if I want to pay for it though I don't know that you do I mean, that's kind of where it's I'm going. It's kind of
1: like let's not get carried away.
0: But yeah. Like
1: for years, I've been like, you know what? I think I would really get into the spirit of the season and be a nice sort of like warm way to end the year if I could watch a couple of these. And I never did because life was always happening. And now but... that life isn't happening in any way, shape, or form, we were like, <laughs> let's uh, let's watch a few of them, and now we're watching all of them on Hallmark. Hallmark has a sister channel. We're watching. And lifetime, and so they run all of them from years past, and we just basically record all of them. We also saw one, I think, just earlier today that Donna Mills was in.
0: Amazing.
1: So also, Donna Mills is like seventy-nine years old and looks amazing.
0: <laughs> of course, better than Patrick Muldoon. <laughs> so, um, 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 are we are we going to do our annual um, home for the holidays viewing?
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which just had its twenty fifth anniversary, by the way, holy shit, yeah,
0: I love that. No. Oh,
1: and um, and I may talk about this when we move over to the boulevard. but Alyssa and I also did a double feature of both home alone movies on Saturday night.
0: Oh, I haven't done it. I usually wait until December to do my home alone.
1: We wanted to see them so that we could keep seeing them, is basically what it was. Oh, so you're going
0: to watch them again and again
1: and again. We'll keep watching them again. We definitely watch it around the clock when we're at her family's home. Um, And but it's like we might as well just keep watching it she also bought a couple of like children's storybook versions of both home alone and home alone Two from uh barnes and noble as we were walking by we saw one in the window but weekend before last uh-huh. um and it's like you know what this thing brings my lady so much joy let's just keep filling the air with home alone yeah. we, wa- we ordered burritos and got ice cream and watched the two of them and i am now 100 turned around there's not even an ounce of bitterness. Uh, From my ten-year-old self against the movies.
0: I love those movies. I can't even believe that you hated them when you were a child. My whole
1: life, my whole life. Your whole life.
0: life. They are thirty years. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, But yeah, no. I every year, Sid and I sit down. It's it's like it's our tradition. We will be watching both of them. And I think adding a burrito this year is a brilliant idea. I think we will have to do that.
1: Well, then that's my community service. Um, Yeah. Like I said, we may talk about that a bit more on the boulevard. We might talk about some Thanksgiving things, but, um, but yeah, I, did I, yeah, I said on the boulevard. Yeah. I think that does it for the block.
0: Yeah. So why don't we go to the boulevard?
1: Yeah, um, we're not positive if we will record next week prior to Thanksgiving or not.
0: Mom has um, taken the week off. I haven't taken a week off in 20-odd years. I so. think,
1: guys, you you should root for Karen to give herself the week. Um, so I'm just saying that to our listeners, uh, if, if you don't hear from us again until afterward, have a lovely, safe, extra emphasis on safe this year holiday and find the things you have to be thankful for.
0: Yeah, have a COVID-free holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna go to um the boulevard. The boulevard. We'll see you there. Bye.